Good evening and welcome to the evening sermon stream here at Forest Heights Baptist Church. Uh, before I pass it over to Brother Mike, I do just have a few quick announcements I want to share with you. Uh, first, we're still collecting for the various homeless ministries around Athens. Uh, we've received a lot of donations already, and it's just been really cool to see all of that stuff go out uh, to those that really need it. And I hope and pray that you all will just continue to send those donations in. Uh, if you have any donations, whether it be water bottles, uh, canned goods, other non-perishable food items, toilet paper, hand sanitizer, uh, what you can do, you can either uh, contact us on Facebook at Forsyth Baptist Church or send us an email to info at fhbcathens.org and we will arrange a pickup with you. Starting next Sunday, we'll be having uh, our worship service back in the sanctuary with people in attendance, but we do ask that you have any, if you have any health concerns or if you're not feeling well, that you do stay home as we do not want to get anybody that shuts up sick. We'll still be live streaming our service on Facebook and YouTube, uh, or if you've been calling in, you'll still be able to do that. Uh, me, David, and Daniel have been working hard to make sure that these alternative methods of worshiping with us uh, have been working. So if you have any questions about how you can view the service without coming to the church, again, feel free to contact us either on Facebook or sending an email to info at fhpcathens.org. Finally, if you need any assistance during this time, whether it be picking up some groceries, picking up some dinner, whatever it may be, uh, feel free to either contact your deacon, or if you're not a member of the church, you can send a message to us on Facebook or an email to info at fhpcathens.org. Now, before I pass it over to Brother Mike, I do want to just have a quick word of prayer. Uh, hey, God, just thank you for this day and this wonderful opportunity that we have just to come together uh, as a body of believers and just worship you, God. Um, I'm thankful for... Uh, just everything that you're able to do in our lives, despite us not, despite us being kind of confined to our homes right now, God. Um, I know that you are going to continue to bring us through this, God, and I'm really excited that you're giving us the opportunity to be able to worship in person again next week, God. Uh, I pray that you just be with Brother Mike as he brings the message. I just pray that uh, you would just prepare our hearts for the message that you have to bring to us today, and that we would just be able to apply to our lives. Uh, if there are any prayer requests that uh, anybody listening to this has, God, I just pray that those would be lifted up to you and that you would just be with them uh, in a way that only you can, God. Um, we love you and we praise you for everything. It's in your son's name that I pray. Amen. It's good to be with you again, and I hope and pray that soon we will be with one another personally person to person. So just keep on praying uh, concerning this virus and the uh, signs of the time and all that's going on. And let's just pray that uh, soon we will be able to be blessed and that we'll make the most of that time also uh, when God allows us to, to be back together honoring Him and glorifying Him. And I can't wait for that. But during the meantime, I am glad that I'm able to share the Word of God with you. And we're going to be finishing up Esther and the study of Esther uh, in this uh, uh, time period uh, tonight. And uh, we'll be looking at Esther chapters 9 and 10. And so as we go to uh, Esther chapter 9, we begin, it says, Now in the 12th month, that is the month of Adar, on the thirteenth day, when the king's command and edict were about to be executed, and that's very important, they were about to be executed, 
on the day when the enemies of the Jews hoped to gain the mastery over them, it turned to the contrary so that the Jews themselves gained the mastery over those who hated them. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I just want to thank you for this time. I want to thank you for this church. I want to thank you for these that are, will be watching this. And I just pray that, that your word and your message will touch lives and, and change them. Uh, as only you can. Uh, for your kingdom and for your glory's sake. And I just pray that, uh, Lord, that we will see great things come from what you do through this. For I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, when defending my thesis, uh, when I was at Gordon-Conwell in South Hamilton, uh, Massachusetts, we made a trip up there. Well, my youngest son traveled up there from Florida. He was in school down there at, at uh, uh, one of the universities in Florida, and, and he's a history major, so he wanted to see some of the historic sites. So he came up there to ride back with us. And uh, as he did, we visited a lot of historic sites. And these historical sites, uh, a lot of them had some great information and some monuments to go along with them to let you know about what went on. I mean, there were things, uh, the Revolutionary War, uh, Civ the Civil War, the uh, World War I, World War II, you know, Vietnam, and, and uh, all the other wars, you know, that uh, have uh, been fought uh, that we were involved with. And other great things that came about, uh, we hurriedly made the trip back, uh, but we also tried to spend a little bit of time in these different places to see this, these things and to read about them. And, and it was very interesting. And, you know, I don't know about you, but uh, I think it's wonderful to have these monuments and have this information because we need to know about our history. We need to know what went on, and we need to learn from them. And, and I know that some people, you know, there's demonstrators uh, uh, concerning the Civil War and different things like that that are protesting uh, against certain monuments. But, uh, you know, and that's a shame because what they don't realize is these monuments, these, uh, this information, these historical sites, these museums, they carry information about what, has happened in the past. Very important information. And this information should be learned from. And whether you agree with it or not, you can learn from what you disagree with. And you can try to promote things and try to make things such that it doesn't happen again. They can be great learning experiences. And, and that's, that's why they're around. And so we should, we should do the same. And as we come to chapters 9 and 10, the, the uh, finishing chapters of Esther, we see some monuments that, uh, I guess you could say, that are being erected here. And one of them is uh, Purim. And this is a celebration there. And, and it was very important. And, and we'll get to that in just a few moments. The book of Esther... Uh, is about this remembrance. It's, uh, they, they brought about this uh, celebration to remember how God had delivered them instead of allowing them to be annihilated. And so uh, as we come to this chapter, just some things to be uh, brought back to your mind. You remember Haman, 
the Agagite uh, and Amalekite who uh, was an enemy of the Jews. Uh, he had made an edict to have all the Jews uh, wiped out, to have them annihilated, to, uh, uh, to have them uh, just disbanded from the scene. And he got the king to sign off on this edict of his. Uh, however he did it, uh, he, he did it. And so he was a very cunning man, it seems like. And, but what he didn't plan and what he didn't realize was the God that the Jews worshipped. He was in control, and he is in control. And so he didn't plan for the Yahweh God of Israel to come on the scene to rescue his people. Mordecai and Queen Esther and the Jews had been praying and fasting and trusting God with the situation because the situation was out of their hands. And it was too big for them. And their destiny at the, uh, the time seemed like uh, a doomsday destiny. And so um, uh, they reached out to God. They prayed and they, fa they fasted. And, and this is what happens so often uh, when we're in desperate situations. God allows these desperate situations, it seems like, to, uh, to be brought before us to get our attention so that we will turn to God. We'll understand who God is. You see, in the New Testament, uh, one of the, the prayers that Jesus uh, told the disciples to pray when they asked him, you know, show us how to pray like you pray. He said, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so it's God's kingdom. He's the uh, ruler, and we're the rulees. And so we're to follow that. And, and one of the things that the church is to do, just like Israel of old was to do, is to be a representative of God, bringing God's kingdom down on earth, allowing the people and the nations around us to see how things should operate properly under the one ruler. And that one ruler is the creator of this world, uh, the God of this universe. So uh, a lot of times uh, to remind us of this and to, uh, to emphasize and illustrate to other people, he allows a situation to become desperate so that people see him work miracles through that and his glory shines forth from it. So God steps forward and begins to show his power and grace at work. Now Haman, the leading enemy of the Jews, was caught with his hand in the cookie jar, if you will. He was revealed by the queen for who he really was. And God was at work in all of this and allowed this to happen. And so the king had Haman executed. And uh, he, he was hung on the very gallows that he, Haman built for Mordecai to die on, uh, which Mordecai did not die on. And so God turned things around for the Jews. Uh, and another edict was issued. And this one was to protect the Jews. And in, it was endorsed by the king. Now the king also made Mordecai his prime minister during this time. Uh, and so he had clout, a lot of clout, and, and people had to respect him for this. 
And the Jews now became the ones in charge. The very ones who were going to be executed and were not in charge became the ones in charge. It says, now on the twelfth month, that is the month of Adar, on the thirteenth day when the king's command uh, and edict were about to be executed on the day. And that's very important, that phrase, on the day. When the enemies of the Jews hoped to gain the mastery over them, it was turned to the contrary so that the Jews themselves gained the mastery over those who hated them. The Jews assembled in their cities throughout all the province of King Ahasuerus to lay hands on those who sought their harm. And this is beautiful. And no one could stand before them because God didn't allow it. For the dread of them had fallen on all the peoples. Esther's, Esther 9, 1 through 12. On that day, so very important. On what day? On the day that they were to be executed. Isn't it, isn't it, a, isn't it amazing? Isn't it uh, stunning how things turned around on that day? On the very day that they were to be annihilated? God flipped the script completely. It wasn't another day. It wasn't another month. It was another year. But on that very day. God and His glory shone forth on that very day. You know, I guess we could all say that we have days on that day in our life. On that day when it seems like the enemy is attacking us and bringing all sorts of uh, demonic power upon us, it seems like, and we're being attacked in every way. On that day when it seems like our witness and our life uh, it's, it feels like it's being wiped out and, and we're so depressed on that day where we feel like we're defeated. The enemy has a strategy and that strategy seems to be working on that day. But the Lord on that day also has a plan. If we'll just reconnect, if we'll just change our focus, if we'll just refocus on God and understand this and trust in Him... He also has a plan. And the neat thing about this, his plan overrides Satan's plan. God may allow the enemy to develop itself in uh, his plan so that it seems to be victorious and it's, it's overpowering so that, that we seem defeated. But right at the right moment, God will move in and checkmate the move, showing his ultimate power. God may release you from one situation only to allow another situation of greater magnitude to appear during that time. And these are very frustrating and discouraging moments and can be very defeating moments. But we must remember at that time that there is something greater than what we can see at the time that God wants to bring about. Sometimes things will even get worse to show how big, how great a deliverer God is. God is, is wanting our total trust in Him, and that's hard to get sometimes. 
but this is what he wants. And sometimes we have to be brought to our knees in utter dependence upon him, letting go of everything and saying, God, I just can't do it anymore. And then we see that God says, you don't have to do it anymore. Take upon yourself my yoke and follow me. So when we cannot trust what we see, we can always trust what we know. And that is God and his promises. We need to understand that. We're to learn to rest in him and to wait upon God. And that is not easy. Resting in God and waiting upon God, it's not just sitting back and declaring victory and doing nothing. A lot of times we'll want to be that way and, and we'll want to perform that way doing nothing. What it is is waiting and resting in God means not going outside God's will to do something that he didn't call for us to do. But waiting and resting in God means staying true to, to his leading and not disobeying him by not doing anything or by not trying to force his hand on things. It's it is knowing that God is up to something big, something great. Look at Mordecai. He not only got delivered from his doom, but he actually got promoted in it. Instead, it says Mordecai was great in the king's house, and his fame spread throughout all the provinces, for the man Mordecai became greater and greater. God has something great. He works out things to, to bring honor and glory to his name, and these become great. Why? Because we have a great God. Not because we're great, because we have a great God. The Jews at this time also rose up and not only defended themselves, but defeated an enemy who had been bent on their elimination, annihilation. And it says, and no one could stand before them. And it also says, thus the Jews struck uh, all their enemies with the sword, killing and destroying, and they, didn't what they, and they did what they pleased to those who hated them. Something very important also needs to, to be mentioned here. You see, Queen Esther approached the king during this time with another request. It says, then Esther said, if it pleases the king, let tomorrow also be granted to the Jews who are in Susa to do according to the edict of today and let Haman's ten sons be hanged on the gallows. So the kings commanded that it should be done so and an edict was issued in Susa and Haman's ten sons were hanged. In other words, she said, hey, let the Jews fight one more day. Why? What was the purpose of this? What was the point? The point was to finish what King Saul did not finish. If you'll go back to 1 Samuel 15, you'll remember King Saul was to kill the King Agag and the Agagites and the Malachites. But he did not. He did not wipe them all out. 
Saul disobeyed God in refusing to wipe out the, uh, the enemy. And what happened? Well, here we are. Haman, the enemy, coming back on the scene, attacking God's people. It came back to haunt the Jews. This time Esther asked for another day in order to finish what a previous Jewish king wasn't able to do. And because of his refusal to take care of the problem, Esther was now called upon to deal with the problem and take care of it. You know, similar issues can and will arise in our lives if we allow them to happen. Uh, when God instructs us to remove sin or some addictive behavior from our lives, you know, and we only remove a portion of it, uh-oh, we don't remove the whole, what happens? A door is open. And that door is left open for cancer to grow. We call sin cancer. To spread, as it so often does, and to overtake. Whatever is left behind, you see, this, this that's left behind can manifest itself to the point where it can eventually destroy us. Destroy our witness. Destroy our testimony. Esther was now left to finish the job that Saul failed to finish. She was experiencing generational repercussions for past failures. Esther wanted to solve the problem and needed another day, a battle to take care of it. And the king granted it. God placed it upon his heart for him to grant it. So the Jews needed to be reminded of, during this time of what God had done for them. They needed a date set aside just for this victory that God gave them. They needed some type of memorial, if you will. That memorial became known as Purim. It says, Then Mordecai recorded these events, and he sent letters to all the Jews who were in all the provinces of King Ahasuerus, near and far, obliging them to celebrate the 14th day of the month, Adair, and the 15th day of the month, or the same month, annually, because on those days the Jews rid themselves, rid themselves of their enemies. And it was a month which was tuned for or turned for them from sorrow into gladness, from mourning into a holiday, that they should make them days of feasting and rejoice and sending portions of food to one another and gifts to the poor. Then Queen Esther, daughter of Abihel, with Mordecai the Jew, wrote with full authority to confirm this second letter about Purim. He sent letters to all the Jews, to the 127 provinces of the kingdom of Ahasuerus, namely words of peace and truth, to establish these days of Purim at their appointed times, just as Mordecai the Jew and Queen Esther had established for them, and just as they had established for themselves and for their descendants with instructions for their times of fasting and lamentations. The command of Esther established these customs for 
Purim or Purim, uh, Purim, and it was written in the book. Purim, excuse me. The name of the annual remembrance and celebration was taken from the word Pur. Now, it was Pur that Haman had used to determine the date that the Jews would be killed to begin with. In Esther 3.7, in the first month, the month of Nisan, the king of Hazra's twelfth year, the pur, that is, the lot was cast before Haman for each day and each month. And it fell on the twelfth month, the month of Adar. Pur. Had to do with luck. It had to do with throwing dice, casting the lot to determine something. So the Jews, what did they do? They put Purim. They added to it. They said, so the Jews decided to drive the point home. That there was no such thing as luck. It was God. The dice didn't determine the date of their victory. God determined it. And while the days inch closer to what one side thought was a certain victory for them, God was arranging all the circumstances to bring about the victory on the other side. Flipping it. Esther's celebration, a celebration which is still remembered and honored to this day, was to remind the Jews that God was in control and is in control. That he intervenes on behalf of his people against evil that is set to destroy them. He intervenes in order to usher in his kingdom's purposes. He's stronger than any human strategy or their authority. And he overrules man's authority and power by his own. God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Some memorials from this book that we can kind of relate to and would help us as believers in Jesus Christ, I believe, is, first of all, the memorial concerning God's choice. Did you ever think about that? Look at Queen Esther. She wasn't of, of some royal family. Queen Esther was a commoner. She was not a Persian. She, instead, she was a foreigner. And she was an orphan on top of that and a child of the exiles. You know, we can... We should erect uh, a memorial as a body of Christ. We're, uh, and we should do it every Sunday as we worship. Celebrating and realizing that we are fallen sons of Adam and Eve. And we're alienated from God. And by God's grace we have been born again. We are adopted as sons and daughters into the family of God. And we have been given full rights and privileges as if we were of a biological family. In Ephesians 1.5, adopted to sonship through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intention of his will. In the future, the word of God tells us that we'll be elevated to uh, to a point where we'll be crowned as the, the bride of Christ. Our future destiny will be reigning with him, the coming king. And 
will reign with Him throughout all eternity. We've been chosen. We've been wedded by His grace. Memorial concerning death. Remember the edict of death that was drawn up by Haman against the the Jews? It was irrevocable. Well, just like with us. Because of Adam and Eve and the sin that was brought into the world, death came upon us. And so, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, the wages of sin is death, it says in Romans. In Hebrews, it is appointed unto men once to die, and after that, the judgment. The edict was upon all the Jews, just like the edict dealing with sin and death was placed upon all mankind. We're helpless without God and His grace. The memorial concerning sacrifice, though. The, we, we studied in the book of Esther how uh, at the right time, Esther entered into the king's presence, willing to sacrifice her own life, willing to give it up for the life of the Jews. We have a Savior, Jesus Christ, who came to this world just at the right time, who went to the cross just at the right time, who suffered and died and was raised again just at the right time so that we who are sinners and helpless could be born again. A memorial that overrides. Queen Esther offered an edict to the king that overrid the edict of death that was upon the Jews. Hebrews tells us, That Jesus is able to save forever those who draw near to God through him. Since he, Christ, always lives to make intercession for them. And also in in, uh, Romans 6.23, as I mentioned earlier, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift, the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus told those following him, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me will live even though he die. The Jews were to build a monument to have this celebration of deliverance by their God. We should also remember how we have been delivered from death into life. And we should make sure that that time to celebrate our deliverance should be remembered and we should be faithful for it. Always rejoicing. That's why I can't wait till we come back. And we're able to worship together. And we should never, never allow that to slip from us and the importance of it. I read recently of Oliver Winchester and his wife Sarah who lived in New Haven, Connecticut. And Oliver Winchester was the inventor of the Winchester rifle. And the first true repeating rifle put to great use by the Union Army during the Civil War and by the government. And private contracts made him incredibly wealthy. I mean wealthy beyond what you could imagine. Four years later, they gave birth to a little girl named Annie. Well, the baby died when about two weeks old. Sarah, the wife, was so shattered that she withdrew herself into her own little world and Almost lost her mind. Several years later, unfortunately, something else happened. Oliver contracted tuberculosis tuberculosis, and died. Sarah became heir to this vast 
fortune, but the money couldn't bring her peace, comfort, or joy. At a friend's suggestion, Sarah sought to contact her deceased husband through a spiritist. And during the session, the medium informed Sarah that her husband was in the room and had told her that the family had been cursed because of the Winchester rifle and the spirits were seeking vengeance. He also told her that she needed to move to a remote location and build a house for the spirits who had fallen in battle from this rifle. He told her through the medium that if she never stopped building the house, then she would live on. But if she stopped building it, then she would die. So Sarah sold her home in New Haven, moved west with her fortune, and bought a home. This home was under construction on 162 acres of land. She threw away the building plans, and for 36 years, the, constru the construction crew built and rebuilt, altered and changed the house. The sounds of hammers, the saws sounding, they went on day and night. Railway cars brought supplies, and every morning Sarah met with the foreman to sketch out new rooms. Rooms were added to rooms, wings were added to wings, and stairways led to no place, and it was just like a, a, a maze, if you will. Sarah Winchester depleted her fortune by building and rebuilding, remodeling and re renovating. And on the night of September the 4th, 1922, after another conference session with her seance, or in her seance rooms, Sarah Winchester went to her bedroom and died in her sleep at age 83. She had believed that as long as she could continue building, uh, she would stay alive. But we know that's not true. But you know what's sad is Mankind is busy with hammers and saws also. Building rooms that lead nowhere. Playing, enterprising, entertaining, eating, marrying, and all the while trying to drown out this edict of the inevitable, which is death. People are trying to find an answer to death. They don't want to die, to avoid this darkness. Mankind is racing around, but it's merely racing to keep its appointment with death. This is the king's verdict. There is no higher court to appeal to. There is no loophole in the law of irrevocable death. It comes upon all of us. It's appointed unto man once to die, and then the judgment. What we must do is, we must go with an edict that the king has prepared for us, that Jesus has laid out and brought before us, an edict that is stronger than this one. And that is 
the cross. That's the only way. That's the only way that we will find the answer that we need. And that answer is eternal life. A life where we are delivered from dying. A life where we're delivered from judgment. A life where we're delivered from damnation. A life that is with Jesus Christ. A life he's provided for. A life that he's offered. That's the edict that we need. Let's pray. Father, thank you for providing. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for caring for us. Thank you for taking care of all of this. And we don't have to fear death. We don't have to fear anything that comes upon us that brings about this death. Because we have life in you. Not because of anything we could do. It's for by grace are we saved through faith and that not ourselves. It's a gift of God. Not of works, lest we could boast about it. Thank you, Lord, for providing for this eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for that wonderful sermon, Brother Mike. Uh, before I let you go, I do just want to say again, next Sunday we will be having our worship service in the sanctuary and also live streaming the same way that we've been doing these last few weeks. So we do ask that if you're feeling good and you're not at risk, we do ask that you come out and worship with us. It's going to be a great time. Uh, in the meantime, you can find us on Facebook at Forsyth Baptist Church and be sure to tune in Wednesday night uh, as we'll still be continuing to do our prayer conference uh, virtually the same way that we've been doing these last few weeks. I hope you all have a great week.